Hello again and welcome to Daily in Christ. I'm Mark Van Oos and we are in the midst of a powerful series called Hebrews, the Glory of the New Covenant. Now I say it's a powerful series, it's not because I'm teaching it, it's because the scripture itself is some of the most powerful scripture in all of the Bible. But as I said last time at the beginning of the podcast, Hebrews is probably the most neglected book in all of the Bible. And that's really a shame because the book of Hebrews is centered around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews is about him and about the new covenant that he came to institute. And that new covenant, there's a theme that just keeps coming up over and over and over again in the book of Hebrews. The so much better of Jesus, the so much better of his finished work, the so much better of the new covenant, which is the covenant of grace over the old covenant, the covenant of law. The book of Hebrews shows a better priest, a better priesthood, better promises, a better covenant, a better sacrifice, better blood, and infinitely better results, which is a mystery why this book is not preached on and taught from more. As I said last time, if I was the devil, I would really want Christians not to know what's in the book of Hebrews. Well, let's take a few minutes, and as we, uh, in this podcast, are moving into Hebrews chapter 8, I'd like to take a few minutes and just do a little bit of review. The book of Hebrews, of course, is sequential. It builds line upon line. Last time, as we were concluding our study in Hebrews chapter 7, we found that perfection And what the Bible means here by perfection is completeness, 100% complete. Perfection, completeness, is not through the Levitical priesthood of the law covenant, but achieved through Jesus, the perfect high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Remember, Melchizedek means king of righteousness, and this king of righteousness is also the king of peace. We made the point in the last two podcasts that we really do need a great high priest. Why? So that we can draw near to God, to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, as it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. A very interesting point was made in Hebrews chapter 7 that whenever there is a change of priesthood, it means there is a change of law. That's so critical. We are with the new covenant going away from the old covenant of law to the new covenant of grace centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that the center of the law covenant is us. The law is meant to expose the sinnerhood of sinners, just how serious the problem of sin is in the life of a sinner. The center of the new covenant is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The center of the law covenant is our own self-righteousness. The center of the new covenant is Christ and his infinite righteousness. We'll get more into that in this particular podcast. 
Also in Hebrews chapter 7, it spoke of in these comparisons between the old covenant, the covenant of law, and the new covenant, the covenant of grace, that it's a fleshly commandment in the case of the law covenant versus the power of an endless life that Jesus has. Also, we uh, learned about the uh, annulments or cancellation of the former commandment. Why? Because it was weak and unprofitable. And that brings in a better hope. And through this better hope, we draw near to God. We also explored the fact that Jesus lives forever as our great high priest, not to make a sacrifice again, like it was in the old covenant where the priests had to do it again and again and again and again, because they were sinners and they needed to have sins atoned for. They needed to have sins forgiven. And it was with the blood of bulls and goats and animals. So there needed to be something much better And that much better was Jesus Christ himself as our great high priest. And that great high priest gave a perfect one-time sacrifice of himself. And you can't improve perfect. So it was done one time for all time. It doesn't need to be repeated over and over and over and over and over again as it was under the law. Now, what is the ministry, therefore, of Jesus as high priest? It says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's a very, very powerful thought. And what happens as the result of this intercession by this perfect high priest? We are saved to the uttermost. It's full and total salvation. Finally, we see in Hebrews chapter 7 this amazing statement that by so much more, Jesus is the surety, the guarantee of a better covenant. Boy, that's incredible. Jesus himself is the ironclad 100% guarantee that this covenant and all of the benefits and all of the blessing are ours, not because of our performance, but because of his performance. And we're going to get more into with uh, Hebrews chapter 8, looking back into the old covenant and how they really utterly failed under that covenant of law. Well, today we're in Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to be going through uh, the first several verses, but as I like to do, let's take a time right now and turn to the Lord as we go into his holy word. And Father, we thank you so much for the so much better of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, there's just so much in your heart of love that's here in these wonderful verses that we're walking through together. And Lord, it exceeds our ability to comprehend this through our natural understanding. It exceeds our ability to get it, to see it through our natural senses. And so, Lord, Father, once again, we pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Thank you, Lord, that as that happens, our the eyes of our understanding, our heart is enlightened and we can see and behold things about your love and your grace and your heart and your 
hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power, your ability toward us who believe. Lord, we look forward to what you will show us together. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I really meant that when I was praying, show us, because I'm learning a lot too together with you as we look to God's wonderful Holy Word in the light of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you would open your Bibles once again to the book of Hebrews, we are in chapter 8 and I'm beginning to read in verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version of God's Holy Word, which reads, Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on the earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he, speaking of God, said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain." But now he has obtained, speaking of the Lord Jesus, a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant, speaking of the covenant of law, had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord." Well, we're going to stop right there, and we're going to just walk through these wonderful verses here in the beginning of Hebrews chapter 8. Right at the very beginning there, it says this. It says, now this is the main point of the things we are having. What's the main point? We have such a high priest. And remember what uh, we found about this, uh, what we needed in terms of a perfect high priest? Well, back in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, it says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as these high, those high priests, speaking of the old covenant law priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Uh, friends, we have this high priest. We have him. It's not something future tense. We have him and his finished work this side of Calvary and the resurrection and the ascension and his perfect reign from the throne of God. As it says, and I'll say it again in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you in need of help? Are you in need of mercy? Well, through Jesus Christ, our perfect high priest, whom we have 
whom we have. We have access to the riches of God's grace. We have access to the riches of his mercy. Praise the Lord. Now, it also says something interesting in verse 1. It says that Jesus, the high priest, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Now, this may not, upon first glance, look like a very significant point, point, but it's actually a massive point. In the Bible, when someone is seated, it means that that person has ceased from their labors. They're finished. They're done. They are at rest. The Lord Jesus Christ has finished his work. He is now, he, he, in fact, he did it completely and perfectly. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, he's finished it all. And he is now at rest. He is seated. And the Bible actually, and remember what we said about rest, God's rest and entering God's rest in Hebrews chapter 4. God is resting on the Sabbath, not because he's tired, but because he's finished. And it says that he's actually waiting for something. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says, He is waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Now, this is unlike the law covenant priests who stood ministering daily, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. You see, under the old covenant, it could not be finished. Over and over and over again, they had to offer repeated sacrifices, repeated gifts, repeated offerings. Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats, and can you imagine how much blood there was? I mean, just... One day of atonement and all the blood, a massive amount of blood. And then it happened year after year after year, decade after decade, century after century. 1,500 years, actually, is how long it happened. 1,600 years, actually. And then the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect high priest, came and he did it. It says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. I love that. The throne of the majesty in heavens. Do you know that the majesty of God the Father is that uh, he is the king of all. And the Lord Jesus Christ together with him is king of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens, the right hand of God the Father. And what that right hand means biblically is the favored position. Now, it also says that as we go forward in Hebrews chapter 8, comparing the sanctuary uh, and the tabernacle, Uh, between the earthly copy and the shadow versus the heavenly reality. Verse 2 says, Jesus is a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Note that God is the one who built that heavenly sanctuary tabernacle. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Remember in our last episode that we pointed out the fact that Jesus is not from the tribe of Levi, and under the covenant of law, only those from the tribe of Levi could be appointed as priests. 
Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. So he is not ministering in the earthly tabernacle, but he is he has ministered in the heavenly sanctuary. Verse 5 says, uh, speaking of the... Uh, actually backing up into Hebrews chapter 4, it says he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Those, and this is another stark contrast between the uh, covenant of law and the covenant of grace, the old covenant versus the new covenant. It says that they, the priests, minister and serve at a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. That's important. Let's say that you were um, outside and uh, you were waiting for a good friend of yours to show up, someone that you haven't seen for quite a long time, and you're going to meet them at this particular place uh, near a, a building. And let's say that uh, you can hear the footsteps of your friend, and you see their shadow coming around, you know, at, at, around the corner of the building. Now, how silly would it be? And that shadow is an outline of your friend, but how silly it would be if you were to jump on that shadow and hug it and say, oh, I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> That's crazy talk. No, a shadow is merely an outline. It isn't even the real thing. Your friend is the real thing. Well, the earthly tabernacle that Moses erected, yes, according to the instruction of the Lord, was merely a copy and a shadow of the heavenly realities. That is so important. I mean, according to God's wonderful mercy, he had provision for sins and sinners before the coming of Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. There was, through the old covenant offering, a covering for sin. But it was merely a covering, and it was only temporary until the next year when you had the Day of Atonement and all of the sacrifices, as opposed to the New Covenant where we see the remission of sins. Remission means removal, as it says in the book of Psalms, as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he taken our sins from us. That is fulfilled in the perfect offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which God built, not man. Again, stark contrast between the covenant of law, the old covenant, and the covenant of grace, the new covenant. Under the old covenant, it was a shadow, it was a copy, and it was made by man. Under the new covenant, we have the heavenly tabernacle, uh, sanctuary, and the true tabernacle, which God himself built and not man. And it's there at that sanctuary, at that tabernacle, that heavenly sanctuary, that heavenly tabernacle, that Jesus made an offering of himself there in heaven and not at the copy on earth. That's in verses three and four. 
as opposed to Moses in the covenant of law priests who serve only at that copy and shadow of the heavenly tabernacle. It's not even the reality. Boy, that's powerful stuff when we think about it. When we think about our Lord Jesus Christ as the perfect high priest and where that perfect high priest has ministered before the place in heaven. Oh, what a great and awesome reality that we have. And then we get to verse 6 here that says something amazing. But he, but now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Whoa, hold the presses. (laughs) That is really good. Did you catch that? Look at all the betters in that one verse, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. Jesus has a more excellent ministry. He is the mediator of a better covenant, and it is established on better promises. Let's take a few minutes and just go through this because it's good. The Lord Jesus Christ himself has obtained a more excellent ministry. And remember what we learned in Hebrews chapter 7? That ministry is based upon an oath. The oath of God the Father, the promise of God the Father to perform as he has promised. Jesus has obtained that more excellent ministry from the Father as a result of the integrity and faithfulness and commitment and covenant of God the Father. It's a much more excellent ministry than the law covenant priests. Second, Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant than the covenant of law. And the mediator is one who is uh, between God and man. And that mediator is perfect, the Lord Jesus Christ. That mediator brings in so much. Now, let me just get into something that I'm thinking of right now, but boy, it's really important that we take some time and deal with this. We have this tendency to try to find some sort of other in between, between us and God. Um, I came from a religion growing up where there was um, a lot of attention being given to Mary, the mother of Jesus, a lot of attention being given to saints. And the sense that you had both in the pulpit and the pew, was that, well, Jesus wasn't quite good enough. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, he sacrificed and did all that stuff. That's good. But, you know, you need you need to have our worship service. You need to go to our communion service. You need to go to our penance. You need to go to our saints. You need to pray to Mary. You need to do this. You need to do that. Now, That is not a unique problem to Catholics. Protestant people play the same game, where we have this attitude that, well, somehow Jesus is not quite enough as the perfect, complete, and total mediator between God the Father and us. And so we rely on a host of other things, like we'll think, oh, if this anointed man of God will pray for me, I just know that I'm going to get closer to God, or I'm going to get closer to my healing and closer to my blessing. That's the same thing. That's the same problem. Or we have an attitude that goes, whenever we, here's the problem. 
Whenever we go, yeah, but, in other words, we say, yeah, to what we've just been, you know, the book of Hebrews says repeatedly over and over and over again about the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ and everything being completed and done. He's even seated at the right hand of God the Father. And then we go, but, no, there's no buts. Because the butt is where the devil is. The butt is where we're trying to get our fingers back in it in selfishness and self-righteousness and see what we can do. Nothing is more humbling and killing of the pride of man than the grace of God. Nothing is more humbling to the pride of man than the grace of God. When we have a clear view and revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's grace, we know that God is loving us totally, blessing us totally, and accepting us totally, not because we're so good, but because He is that good. You see, where man has the center and the fore, man gets the praise where you have a law mentality that says, yes, but I got to do something. Invariably, we end up stealing the glory from God. Invariably, man ends up getting the glory rather than God, as opposed to the grace of God, which looks full in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, and all that he did, and all of the praise goes to God period. No exceptions. You look in the revelation and you see the elders and what are they doing? They are casting their crowns before God. This is this more powerful reality that we are in. We have a perfect mediator and that's the point I'm trying to get to here of a better covenant. The one who is our go-between between God and the Father, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you do not need another priest. You do not need another pastor. You do not need another anything. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't a place for, for godly ministers in our lives. Of course, the Bible teaches that. But we don't get closer to God through pastor. We don't get closer to God through more Christian radio or Christian TV or Christian books or Christian DVs or Christian MP3s or, yes, Christian podcasts. We get closer to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we're going to be digging in more in this idea of the mediator, the perfect mediator of this better covenant as we continue in the book of Hebrews. We're still in Hebrews chapter 6, and I need to move on. We said that the the Lord has, uh, Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry than the law covenant priests. He is the mediator of a better covenant. Notice, better covenant, superior covenant than the covenant of law. And third, that better covenant, the new covenant, was established on better promises far superior to man's promises of doing better it's based on the promises that god makes and jesus christ himself binds himself on oath to perform all let me ask you this question which covenant do you want to count your life on the old covenant of law which has the centeredness on you and your due 
and failure. That old covenant of law with an inferior ministry of sinner priests that constantly die, who minister at a man-made tabernacle that is only a copy and a shadow of the reality of the heavenly tabernacle, a weaker covenant based on man's performance, a weaker covenant based on man's promises to behave better, or the new covenant of grace with the infinitely superior ministry of Jesus as the high priest, with a perfect mediator who is always giving a perfect performance, an infinitely superior covenant based on the infinite integrity of God and his promises and oath, and ministering at the reality of the heavenly tabernacle, the Lord Jesus Christ doing that, at a tabernacle not made by man, but by God, not a copy, but the real thing. Amen. I'll take the new covenant of grace any old day. And we really don't have a choice. The old covenant is gone. The covenant of law is gone. But we are under the new covenant of grace because it's been instituted by the Lord. I can't undo what he has done and he has accomplished, but I can live in a mindset and conduct my life as if I'm still under law. And guess what? If you live your life like you're under law, sin goes through the roof. It increases. It explodes. That's what we see in Romans chapter seven. I can't get into there, but uh, I've got material on my website about that. Let's move on in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 through 9. For if that first covenant, speaking of the law, had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. All right, let's uh, just walk through this bit by bit here. First of all, it says, finding fault with them. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for another. It says, because finding fault with them. You see, that covenant of law was not without fault. It was not faultless. What was the problem? Was there a problem with the the law? No. Uh, as it says in Romans 7, the the law is holy and good. And righteous. The problem was moi, me and you. The problem was them. Them speaking of ancient Israel under Moses. Their performance mattered because it was a covenant between God and them. The covenant of law, and it is a covenant, was a covenant between God and Israel. And that covenant was very, very clear that if you obeyed fully, 100% of the time, without exception, then you got blessings. And if you failed even once, you got the curses. Well, they failed, and therefore the curses of the law fell on them. You know, uh, there's a verse in uh, Exodus chapter 24, two verses, and this was at the point where God 
had given them the the Ten Commandments uh, spoken from Mount Sinai with the frightening voice. This is in Exodus 24, verses 7 through 8. And uh, I call this the liar, liar verse. Listen to what it says. Speaking of Moses, then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. You see it? A covenant between them and God. Okay, well, how did they do? Well, Uh, Just a few weeks later, Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 says this. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed from coming down from the mountain, the people gathered gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. Oh, my goodness. And you know the story. They created a golden calf, which, which was in the image of one of the gods, little g, of Egypt. And they were saying, these gods are the ones who delivered you from Egypt. They were committing crass idolatry. The very same people who said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. No, they didn't. They lied. They failed utterly, totally. Listen to this. You cannot get right with God through the law. The law is a ministry of death and condemnation. That's what it says very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In Acts chapter 13, verse 39, it says, Through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. And remember, justification refers to being right with God, being in right, just relationship with God. It says right there that they could not be justified by the law of Moses, only through Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 says this, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. You see, the law is merely a shadow not the realities. And the law can never, never make us who draw near to God uh, to worship perfect. And therefore, we can't draw near to God under the covenant of law. Remember, the covenant of law is centered under Leviticus 18.5, which basically says, do and live. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 through 4 says this, For what the law could not do, as it was weak through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering of, for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's in Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 12, it says this, Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Do you notice it says that the law is not of faith? 
And that is exactly what the Bible says that the righteous will live by. It says the just shall live by faith. So the law is contrary to faith. It is contrary to holy, righteous walking. And now we have the necessity, therefore, because there was fault with the covenant of law, the old covenant, the fault not being God or his law, the covenant, the fault being us, fallen humanity. Now, the new covenant, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Now it says, not according. That refers to the means of blessing and benefits of the covenant. They're not according to the law covenant terms of do and live. And we see that Israel had failed to keep their end of the deal. It says, um, they did not continue in my covenant. And then if you go in the book of Romans uh, 1.18 through Romans 3.19, we find that the entire human race has failed, has sinned, has fallen short of the glory of God. And so it says here in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 9, so I disregarded them, says the Lord. God disregarded them. Deal broken. Now, Israel must face the consequences of violating the covenant of law. The penalty of the law, curses, condemnation, judgment, and wrath. As a matter of fact, there are 55 verses of curses under the law listed in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I don't have any time to go through it, but if you really want a shocker, check it out for yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 28. There's 11 verses of blessings and 55 verses of curses. And you know what? Because they broke the covenant, they didn't get the blessings, they got the curses. So when did Israel violate the covenant of law? Well, it didn't happen when they failed to enter the promised land. Remember at Kadesh Barnea where they refused to enter? In fact, they didn't violate the covenant of law even when they made that golden calf, gods, you know, at the hands of Aaron. They violated the covenant of law in their hearts when they formed a complaint against God, against Moses, and refused to turn away from their gods to the living God. We see this in Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. This is just a couple of chapters after the Exodus. Remember when they were delivered from Pharaoh's army through the Red Sea? It says, and then they're in the desert. It says, then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord encamped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? 
So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? That's in Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. I don't have a lot of time to get into this right now, but there was something very deep that was going on in their heart. And it is comes out when they said to uh, Moses, Why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt? Moses was not their deliverer. The Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and yes, the God of Moses was the one who delivered them. Moses didn't have the ability to split the Red Sea or do any of the 10 plagues that uh, hit Egypt. God was the one who was their deliverer. Moses was the leader, but he wasn't the one who actually brought deliverance. So first of all, you can see how their whole thinking is man-centered and not God-centered, giving glory to man rather than giving glory to God. And watch what they say here. Why is it that you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? That is an insult against God himself. It's like saying to God, you know, you really don't care for us. You led us out of Egypt to kill us through thirst in the desert. Thanks, God. You're really wonderful. (laughs) I hate to be so blunt about it, but that was the sin of the heart of unbelief that was going on. This is what is in Hebrews chapter 3 when it refers to hardening of the heart. That's what they did. They hardened their hearts against God himself. Going back to Hebrews 3 for just a minute, uh, verse 7, it says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, that rebellion started right where we were reading in Exodus chapter 17. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest." Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And that was the first place where they violated the covenant of law. Right there. Um, Now, the covenant of law had not quite been established yet. Uh, It was going to yet happen uh, a little bit later on, several chapters down. But there was already that heart of rebellion, the problem with sinful man that was going on. And that is why God himself, in his love and his mercy and grace, you know, what we deserve is not love. What we deserve is not good. What we deserve is the hot wrath of God, the justice of God, the condemnation of God, the retribution of God. But, oh, the glory of the new covenant, oh, the glory of the Savior and high priest of this new covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the one that we're focusing on. Oh, my friend, I hope you can get a glimpse of the heart of, uh, of God's love toward you in this whole thing. The answer is not yourself. The answer is not try harder. The answer is not to commit anything. The answer is to trust the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who did all, committed all, and 
has succeeded in pleasing the Father 100%. Next time, we're going to finish out Hebrews chapter 8, talking about something that is rarely discussed in the church today, and that is the new covenant itself. Let's pray. Father, words can hardly match the overflow of gratefulness and thankfulness that we have in our hearts. I think of what that hymn says, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. And Lord, you are our Redeemer. And redemption that has been secured for us by blood, the blood of no one less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, his own precious blood, Father, I pray that with this material that we have been looking in, in your holy word, as we have looked at this, oh, Father, such a a wonderful new covenant that we have featuring the Savior who has a more excellent ministry and that he is indeed our mediator, the perfect mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful heart of love and grace. And Father, I pray that as we continue from here, that we would, by the Spirit, more and more see Jesus, know him and your great heart of compassion and love. And Lord, may we tell the world, in Jesus' name we pray and praise. Amen.